The following presentation of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions is from a previous broadcast and is a production of Take 12 Recovery Radio. Some portions of this show may have included promotions or giveaways that were time-sensitive and may no longer be applicable. To listen and download more of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, visit our website at take12radio.com and click on Recovery Workshops. I've got to give it the views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. Well, welcome back, my friends. Those of you who are in recovery, uh, advocates of, and perhaps some of those of you who should be, welcome to Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions with myself and, of course, Chris Schroeder. We're going to be uh, delving into the second part of the uh, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions entitled The 12 Traditions. Welcome, Chris. Glad to be back on the show after a couple of weeks of yeah. vacation there. So so what are we doing now? We, we You want to do a quick review of what we did before we start this? Uh, absolutely. In the, the following weeks, um, I, I'm not sure how many weeks it was. It was probably uh, probably about 20 weeks or something. Sure. So, Monty, we went over um, we went over all the essays in the book uh, uh, 12, 12 and 12, twelve steps twelve traditions, and we went over the essays on the steps and in pretty good detail. And one of the things that we tried to do was uh, reference the the step uh, back to the uh, original uh, original uh, big book, so that we could take could understand it in context. Uh, a lot of times when you look at the steps in the 12 and 12, you can, uh, and you read the step and you take the, take it at that face value, you can, uh, you can be pretty, uh, sure that you're not really understanding the full nature of that particular step because the instructions mm-hmm. are in the big book. It's basically an essay, uh, to broaden and deepen some of the concepts, not to, not to further explain the mechanics, but to broaden and deepen sure. some of the context. So uh, we did that, and, and we had some real good discussions on it. Now, the second half of the book is probably the part that Bill Wilson, uh, the author of this book, <clears throat> was mostly interested in. Uh, I, I truly believe that the, that the 12 essays on the steps were written as bait so that, uh, so that the 12 traditions would be bought uh, by, by alcoholics. Uh, Bill was no dummy when it came to alcoholics, and he, he many times would say that the alcoholic is tighter than the bark on a tree once he gets sober, as far as, <laughs> as, far as holding on to his money. And he, he just didn't see the book flying off the shelves, the Twelve Traditions, because it had to do, uh, principally it had to do with, uh, with the group's welfare. And understanding how selfish alcoholics were, uh, he knew he had to put some bait in there uh, so that uh, he, he would ensure that it would sell. And it was it was a very very smart move because there's probably millions of copies of uh, of the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions uh, out there. I'm, I don't have the figures, but uh, I would think that that has sold in the in the millions since it was published in the fifties. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Uh, he believed very, very strongly that uh, the society of Alcoholics Anonymous needed some best practices to be able to stay uh, unified, to stay whole, so so that there wouldn't be fractions developing, that there wouldn't wouldn't be uh, infighting, uh, there wouldn't be really problematic rules, uh, or uh, or people who you know lost sight of the ball. So what he did was he started putting together uh, the Twelve Traditions. And the Twelve Traditions were really first published in the Grapevine magazine. You know, you can go back and you can find the first, uh, uh, the, 
the first drafts, basically, of the traditions in the grapevine. But but uh, very, very soon after the publication of the big book, Bill became uh, almost obsessively concerned about how to protect the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. He saw some wacky stuff. You know, in the 40s, uh, uh, the, 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 the big book uh, uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, you know, really talked about personal recovery at very, very high levels, but it didn't give a lot of instructions for the groups. The groups kind of came after the book. As a matter of fact, uh, the AA, AA groups uh, and AA fellowship were, were named after the book. Many people think the book was named for the fellowship, but it, that's, that's op- it's opposite. Yeah. Actually, there, there was no Alcoholics Anonymous until the book was published. There were only drunks going to the Oxford group. So, um, uh, so again, in, in the big book, he was not so concerned about holding a fellowship together that they didn't really have yet. You know, they, all they really had was about, you know, 80 people in New York and Akron who were staying sober. So now, you know, fast forward to uh, the very early 50s when the, when the drafts of the 12 uh, traditions were being uh, penned. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, the fellowship was, uh, was a little over 10 years old. And he had seen a lot in that time. He had seen crazy things. He saw what we see, you know, today in some of the fellowships, money. He saw drug addicts uh, trying to weasel their way into uh, into AA. He saw people having, uh, you know, having bingo games instead of discussion meetings. It was <laughs> AA bingo club, and you know, there there was uh, there was card games. There was this one time where you would go to the AA meeting and you would basically play cards. And everybody was sober, but they were sitting around playing cards. And, and it got busted by the police. And all the AA members were put, in, you know, their, their picture in the paper and their full name. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, Harry, Harry Meyer, you, you know, arrested for gambling at, at, at the AA meeting. You know? So he saw, he saw an incredible amount of things that he, that he believed were, uh, were damaging. Uh, to the unity of AA, and so he he started uh, uh, he started about the business of of putting together the traditions, and some of them weren't even traditions; <laughs> they weren't traditionally what had been done. Uh, they were more they were more or less what Bill believed uh, w- would be the best way to handle certain situations, and a lot of it was uh, based on experience. So, what, Chris, 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 I'm curious because when you hear the word traditions. Most of us think of things that have been going on for a long time that have now been put into print. Um, why did he use that terminology? Oh, I, you know, I would have I would have used today's terminology of best practices or, or better practices, yeah, uh, or, or more more uh, you know a more effective uh, operational methodology or some, something like that. But uh, you know. I, I think I think he wanted these to become traditional practices yeah. in AA. E- even if, even if groups had not really adopted them yet, he believed that they were so important that they should become our traditional way of doing business. You know, at, at a at a group level, and you know, it's it's funny. Bill was so far seeing Monty. He he. You know, he was working on problems that weren't even happening, you know, yet. He was so far seeing. After after the big book was done and all the instructions for the steps uh, had been uh, really laid out so well in the big book, he, he, he soon got himself concerned with the traditions to try to keep the group healthy. And then as soon as the traditions were published in the, in the uh, 12 and 12, he started working on the concepts for world service. He, start, he started to work on the best practices for uh, the General Service Conference and how it should uh, uh, it should operate and how it should do its business. So you know he was very far seeing. He was a visionary, and he understood problem. He understood the alcoholics, <laughs> and he understood problems before they became problems in many many cases. Sure. So it's really you know really interesting. You know there there are some people who you know when the a lot of times there'll be four four steps. Uh, four-step meetings and a tradition meeting every month in some groups. Yeah, and the tradition meeting is the one everybody skips. You know, I, I hope I hope people who were listening to the uh, to the, uh, the first half of this workshop uh, don't go away because because uh, we will be making these uh, traditions interesting. <laughs> we'll be 
relating, uh, you know, experience from from different uh, different areas and different things that have happened historically. Uh, and you know, we'll be talking about uh, the meaning of these particular traditions, what they should mean to us today, if we're members of uh, a twelve-step fellowship. You know, Chris. Uh, uh... My my original home group is actually older than the traditions. It was around before the traditions ever came about, which is kind of cool. Um, but I'd always heard, and correct me if I, I was wrong, wasn't there quite a few people that were really against this idea? Well, uh, yeah. Well, Dr. Bob basically was, was one of them. Uh, they, they didn't want to muck this thing up. They, they were afraid that more information would be uh, worse than less information. Mm-hmm. And and Bill really fought. Bill, Bill had to Bill had to go around the country, barnstorming, you know, to drive up support for this. It was unanimously approved. Uh, the the traditions were unanimously unanimously approved. I think it was the nineteen fifty five or was no nineteen fifty convention. I think, but but he you know he did his tour around and because of the how much respect the man had and how grateful people were to him, especially sober alcoholics. You know, if Bill was going to come to their group and Bill was going to ask them to do something, you know what? They were going to do it for Bill. Sure. You know, I, I don't know if they really understood, the, you know, what they were doing when they voted it in, but uh, uh, all of them at least. But uh, there were some people that were against it. I, you know, Doc, Dr. Bob bought Bill for a while on it, you know, and uh, and finally he finally said, okay, Bill, you know, if you, you know, if you believe that strongly in this, you know, I'll, I'll support it. And I believe at the 1950 uh, uh, First International, uh, it was it was approved, and that's all Bill Wilson did for five years prior was go around and talk about the traditions. People were so sick of it; they, they were saying, <laughs> "Bill, please come to our group and speak, but please don't talk about those traditions. Tell your bedtime story." It's funny, uh, Bill Wilson's uh, personal story about uh, about starting AA and about it, you know. Finding uh, finding Ebby Thatcher and all that was called the bedtime story uh-huh. because Bill Bill was quite a pedestrian speaker. He was he would talk like this, Monty, oh, and Lord. even though every word was golden, every word that came out of his mouth was extraordinary. He had a way of putting you to sleep. With his with his method of speaking, you know, so they they call they call the story the bedtime story. Uh, let me ask you a question about Bill on, on this, and get your opinion on it. Some would say that uh, uh, Bill's uh, concern about the uh, fellowship was almost paranoid, and that um, that it was his issues of control that drove him to write these traditions. I, I kind of, you know, maybe a little bit, but don't you think it was more his heart for the safety of the group? Bill, Bill was, uh, was, a, was, a, was an enigma. Bill was kind of a dichotomy. I believe very, very much that he needed, at, at the depths of his ego, he needed to be the number one man. But I also believe that at the height of his spirit, he needed to remain humble and one among many. And so, so he had that disparity in his character. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's different than a, a, a lot of us. But he, he needed to be the number one man. So, and I'll give you a few for instances. He was, he was being offered a gigantic honor. I mean, it was almost, it was almost a Nobel Peace Prize. He was being uh, offered uh, a, a, a gigantic uh, award. It was like the Times Man of the Year Award or something. Okay, I don't really remember what it was, but... He declined, and some people were later talking with, uh, with with some of the people who were close to Bill Wilson, and they say, you know, how cool was that of Bill Wilson to decline? You know, uh, basically uh, declaring anonymity, and and this other guy goes, oh, don't <laughs> don't be thinking that. You know, let me let me ask you this question: How many people have gotten that award? How many people can you name that have gotten that award? And they go, they could name maybe two or three out of the hundreds that got the award. And they go, you'll remember the one person who turned it down, though, won't you? <laughs> and they said, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, that, so you know, 
it, there was there was that that disparity of character uh, uh, with Bill, uh, but you know he he did he did need to be the number one guy, but he also did need to be humble and not engage in controversy. One of the wonderful things about him was he was so under attack. You have no idea. Clarence Snyder and all these other nitwits would go after him in a big way about him stealing money from AA and, you know, he's doing this and he's doing that. I mean, just horrific, slanderous, just horrible stuff. And Bill's response was always a response of not engaging in the controversy. In other words, he would not fight back. The only time that I know of that he responded to these accusations was when it got so bad about people uh, accusing him of stealing money from the Treasury, he had an audit done, an independent audit done of all AA's money, and then showed up, uh, showed up at the convention with this, uh, with this approved, uh, you know, verified audit response. And then, and then, you know, Clarence and all the other idiots started, you know, criticizing him about something else. You know, they yeah. dropped the money <laughs> thing. And, and, and Bill was always really, really cool with these people, you know. He was always really, really cool with these people about, you know, not engaging in the controversy. And when, and when they would openly criticize him, he, he, his response would be something like this. Well, you know, I'm, I'm very, very disappointed to, to, to seemingly have let you down. Uh, but I, but I need to tell you that you've placed me, obviously placed me on a pedestal uh, that is that is much higher than one I would ever claim for myself. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, and and he had a very very humble way of responding to uh, these direct criticisms and a beautiful way of ignoring uh, uh, many of them when it didn't really need to have a response. Uh, I, you know, I loved how he did that. Uh, and uh, but again. Underneath it all, there was a, there was an extraordinarily powerful ego at work. You know, you've probably heard this, Monty, that if that if Doctor Bob was the only one who started AA, it never would have left Akron. Yeah. And if Bill Wilson <laughs> was the only one who started AA, he would have sold uh, franchises. <laughs> you know, uh, that's that's funny, but you know, not altogether untrue. Right, and and you know, God puts people together. I I mean, it's. I mean, you look at the characters, even in the Bible. I mean, the the heroes of the Bible. I mean, they all had had really uh, they had a dark side. You know, I mean, everybody from Samson, who was a womanizer, you know, to oh, David, David uh, you know, who's David, killing people, some really dastardly. <laughs> um, it, it's amazing to me how God will choose some of the most interesting characters. To really carry the, carry his his message, uh, and in this case, uh, the message that you can recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To take somebody like this, um, it, it's actually comforting to me. It really is because I I, I feel like a hey, you know if, if these guys were perfect and they were glistening bronze gods, I probably wouldn't give them much credit. I got I got to tell you, if a perfect person uh, started. Uh started the 12-step recovery movement, uh, I probably would not have paid attention. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would have seen it as something much holier than something that I could connect with. But the fact the fact that uh, Bill and Bob did it, you know, uh, a, a stock stockbroker shyster and a failed proctologist, you know, that, that just makes it a little bit more uh, palatable to me. <laughs> you, you bet. Know? You bet. But these, these, these were people who uh, were, you know, were having their own particular challenges. But anyway, you know, uh, to, to start off to start off the traditions, uh, I, you know, I believe in the steps. Step one is the problem statement. Step two is the solution statement, and the rest of the steps are achieving that solution. And I believe the same thing with the traditions, Monty. Step one is the problem tradition. Step two is the solution tradition, and step three, uh, uh, traditions three through twelve are how you effectively uh, uh, produce that solution. You know, so, so Bill, was, uh, Bill was an attorney. Well, I wouldn't say he was an attorney. He, he, he did everything you would need to do to be an attorney except go to Graduate, the, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and graduate. But, but he was trained legally, and he also understood business very, very well. So he was very methodical about how he, how he pulled this out. So I'm going to start reading Tradition 1. And understand that Tradition 1 is the problem. This is going to explain what the greatest danger to Alcoholics Anonymous is. 
or will be. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. So AA unity is the groups must continue to exist for people to come so that the message can be carried to them. Without the sober members of Alcoholics Anonymous who have had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, without them being findable, you know, lo- being able to be located somewhere consistently, you know, many, many people are going to die, and, uh, and the, especially the people that are sober, without continued contact with other alcoholics, it's very, very difficult. Not impossible, but very, very difficult to continue to stay sober. So we need, we need to be, uh, be about the business of promoting uh, unity and, and keeping, uh, keeping that unification healthy. The unity of Alcoholics Anonymous is the most cherished quality our society has. Our lives, the lives of all to come, depend squarely upon it. We stay whole or AA dies. Without unity, the heart of AA would cease to beat. Our world arteries would no longer carry the life-giving grace of God. Uh, so that's funny. We're like, we're like the arteries for the life-giving grace of God. The grace of God is out there for all of us. But there are certain ways we need to rightly relate ourselves to that grace that we need to learn from Alcoholics Anonymous members or or people who have had spiritual awakenings as a result of these steps, people who have personal relationships with God. His gift to us would be spent aimlessly. Uh, Back again in their caves, alcoholics would reproach us and say, what a great thing AA might have been. Does this mean some will anxiously ask that in AA the individual doesn't count for much? Is he to be dominated by his group and swallowed up in it? We may certainly answer this question with a loud no. We believe there isn't a fellowship on earth which lavishes more devoted care upon its individual members. Surely there is none which more jealously guards the individual's right to think, talk, and act as he wishes. No AA can compel another to do anything. Nobody can be punished or expelled. Our 12 steps to recovery are suggestions. The 12 traditions which guarantee AA's unity contain not a single don't. They repeatedly say, we ought, but never you must. You know, uh, Bill, was, Bill was responding to uh, the arrogance and the grandiosity of the alcoholic. Um, prior to having a, a spiritual awakening, believe it or not, Monty, uh, the alcoholic can be grandiose uh, and egotistical. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I know it's hard for you to believe, but, but, but uh, that, that's, that's true. And and again, you know, we have to we have to protect people about that. We you know, I, I believe the fellowships, all twelve step fellowships, need to be so open that nobody slips through that belongs. But when you start sponsoring, when you start taking somebody through the steps, that's the time for a serious qualification. Yeah, that's the time to that's the time to see whether someone is really alcoholic or really a drug addict, uh, and, and not just in there because uh, you know some well-meaning psychologist pointed them to one dollar uh, a session group therapy. You, you, you know, yeah. So, but 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 the but the rooms need to be wide open because rather have some people in the rooms that don't belong than to exclude by accident somebody that did because somebody might not belong today but they may belong tomorrow that's absolutely true too. yeah or they could be being dishonest this is another thing sometimes alcoholics are, are dishonest i know that's hard also hard for <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not an alcoholic i'm just here checking this out well then you're not welcome well yeah but if the truth be known you know two weeks later the guy's sitting there going yeah i'm an alcoholic <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, you know, un- unbelievable. So, so again, we we need to be careful that that people people aren't uh, absenting themselves from the rooms before the the miracle can happen. Before right. they before they can become convinced that you know a spiritual program of action is really the answer to their problems. And sometimes that takes a while. Sometimes people, you know, just can't just can't believe that. They just don't believe it could be true for them. And uh, and we we need to be hanging on to them until they can. So again, we're, we're not you know so many people have used the traditions as weapons as clubs. Uh, 
Yeah. Like, you know, I saw, I saw, you know, um, I saw a group disappear one time over uh, fights about the treasury and how the treasury should be counted and what type of treasurer's report should be should be given. And and I, you know, I, I saw a home group of 120 people uh, break up and make and end up with four people. And you know, it was it was all about the misguided use of traditions as laws. The traditions are not laws. They are best practices. You have more of a right to break them than people have a right to punish you for breaking them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that again. Because, because of, uh, what it says here in Tradition 1 and what, uh, I believe it's the sixth warranty in the Concepts for World Services says, it basically is a position of, of uh, you. there will be no punitive action against a member or a group. We, you are not about the business of punishing. So, again, the traditions are traditional. They are best practices. You probably have a higher percentage chance of having your group survive if you follow them, but you have, you have every right in the world to break them, as long as you're not affecting AA as a whole, other groups, or breaking your anonymity, you know those those are those are the real serious ones. The, the rest the rest of the traditions you have as much right to break them uh, or more than somebody has a right to come in and punish you for doing so. Okay. Does that make any sense? Yes, I'm writing that down. That's that's good. So you have more of a right to break them than someone has to punish you for breaking them. I mean, the, the most the most that Alcoholics Anonymous ever does is take somebody out of the book, you know, take somebody out of the meeting book, you know, like, like oh, my God. Uh, they're re- you know, part of the tradition is not to engage in ca- controversy. And there have been some real dark periods of time in Alcoholics Anonymous' history where they've sued people, you know, for copyright infringement and other stupid stuff. Uh, there has been times where a real misguided... Board of Directors made that decision, mm-hmm. and that is a dark black eye that's going to last a long, long time. Uh, uh, that, that reflects on really poor, uh, uh, poor uh, practices in the General Service Board. Uh, but for the most part, I'd say ninety-nine point nine times out of a hundred, they act uh, they act appropriately and they stay out of controversy. And they're not about the business of trying to punish anybody. Now, I I, I don't want to go off on a, a, a on a rabbit trail here on this, but but can you touch just for a second? Because this makes me this makes me think of a uh, a practice called group inventory. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, there's there's a you know there's a group inventory form. I believe it was yeah. published by uh, by General Service for for groups to to sit down and ask ask questions that relate to newcomers and treasury and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, it's not something uh, I think that's very well written, but no. uh, I, I, I think the idea is good. I think the idea because, is good. Because sometimes so, a, a group can kind of start going sideways, I mean, really bad. And, and it might, it, it, and I have seen it, I've seen this work well. I've also seen it work horribly. Uh, the last time I saw it done, it worked really, really well. The group was really getting sick, and somebody who was very knowledgeable in the concepts and traditions came along and says, we need to stop. We need to regroup, uh, and otherwise we're going to die here. And it worked out fine. You know, I, I think I think a good inventory is good not only for the person but for the group. And uh, I, I wish I wish Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole would do one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, general service level on down. Because I, I, I've got to I've got to tell you the trajectory they've been on for the last forty or fifty years has been pathetic. It's it's been it's been all about fellowship numbers and not at all about quality of recovery. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't have I have very little respect for any literature that was published since 1955. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. not decent literature out there, but but uh, it's certainly not not seminal, not not definitive literature. And you know, they'll they'll come up with a pamphlet uh, a week if you let them. And and it, you know, it's all it's all about increasing the amount of money going to the treasury. Uh, you know, in effect, that's what it looks like uh, to me. 
it's it's you know very rarely is, is it about uh, bringing somebody to a spiritual awakening through the practice uh, teaching and practice of the twelve steps. It's usually all about dragging somebody into meetings, and you know that the meetings meetings are you know one third of the answer, if that. Uh, you know, to, to focus solely on meeting attendance, to me, is incredibly short-sighted. And you have to be profit-motivated to, to just do that. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you really like, do. Like, 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 you know, listen, quality is always more important than quantity. You know, I, w- I would rather have 500,000 uh, spiritually awakened members than 2 million uh, people wandering around, you know, half measures and uh, suffering from untreated alcoholism. You know, I'm, 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 more, about the, uh, I'm more about the quality than the quantity. Uh, but again, you know, uh, uh, that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> and you're you cra- and, and you're crazy anyway. So you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, 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 try, I try not to be controversial either. You know? Yeah, right. I try not to, I try, I try not to judge. <laughs> no, no. You and I are very, people. Just love us. <laughs> uh, to many minds, all this liberty for the individual spells sheer anarchy. Every newcomer, every friend who looks at AA for the first time is greatly puzzled. They see liberty verging on license, yet they recognize at once that AA has an irresistible strength of purpose and action. How, they ask, can such a crowd of anarchists function at all? How can they possibly place their common welfare first? What in heaven's name holds them together? You know what, you know what, what, hold, what holds us together uh, is God. Yeah. <laughs> the main thing that, 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 would, that would hold all of us together in a situation like this Um and, and, and I think I think alcoholics respond better to uh, a lack of rules and a lack of hierarchy. Uh, I think that's very very helpful. Um, you know, I I've always had problems with hierarchy. I've ha- I had problems with my teachers when I was in school. I had problems with police because they could pull you over and make you do things. I mean, I, I had huge problems with uh, with authority. So. So you know, you, you show up at a at a recovery group uh, somewhere, and there doesn't seem to be a authority. You know that, that can be refreshing. You know, uh, the, the Quakers the, the Quakers have meetings sometimes. They don't have they don't necessarily uh, have uh, have reverence or, or priests or preachers. Right. You go you go in and you just sit in this meeting, and when you're and when you're uh, when you're motivated to share, when you're inspired to share, you talk. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and that's cool. A lot of people, a lot of people respond to that type of religion more than yeah. you know uh, if somebody's uh, wearing a dress with a dunce cap. And, and that's actually that's actually more New New Testament accurate than today's modern church. I think I think you're probably right. <laughs> Let's not go down that. that Let's, we won't go down that one. That listeners, it's okay. Uh, you can don't don't hang up. <laughs> <laughs> Those who look closely soon have the key to this strange paradox. The AA member has to conform to the principles of recovery. His life actually depends upon obedience to spiritual principles. Let me read that again, Monty. The alcoholic's life actually depends upon obedience to spiritual principles. Yes. There are no there are no musts unless you want to survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He deviates too far. If the alcoholic deviates too far, too far from what? Too far from spiritual principles. The penalty is sure and swift. He sickens and dies. And I cannot tell you how many people I've seen this happen to, Monty. I cannot tell you. I, you know, it, it, mm. it, you know, it, it, it's near countless uh, people I have seen who paid the ultimate price for failure to obey spiritual principles. At first, he goes along because he must, but later he discovers a way of life he really wants to live. That's me. Moreover, he finds he cannot keep this priceless gift unless he gives it away. I've found that, too. Neither he nor anybody else can survive unless he carries the AA message. The moment this 12-step work forms a group, another discovery is made, that most individuals cannot recover unless there is a group. You know, that's very, very interesting. Most alcoholics uh, need a group. Not everyone. You know, if if you go to an international convention, you'll see uh, you'll see signs for for internationals and loners. Loners, yeah. And 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 uh, and, and what they, what they are is the loners are the lighthouse keepers and the and the forest rangers and the people who can only get to meetings incredibly sporadic. It's them in a big book, you know. You know, and uh, yeah, that that can work, but it's it's better when you have a group. A, a group really helps. 
Realization dawns that he is but a small part of a great whole, that no personal sacrifice is too great for preservation of the fellowship. He learns that the clamor of desires and ambitions within him must be silenced whenever these could damage the group. It becomes plain that the group must survive or the individual will not. And that's, uh, that's absolutely true. Uh, okay, let, let, me, loyalty. let me say here that there is a difference between the group and the meeting. Uh, and what I mean by – and I think sometimes we don't discover that until we've been in the meetings for a while. We tend to develop um, friendships and relationships with people, and hopefully we we are a group even when the meeting isn't even in session. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, and I, and I think that's what it's talking about because uh, – some some of the healthiest discussions, some of the things that have benefit, benefited me the most in my continual growing process spiritually have been done with members that attend meetings, but outside the meetings as as a group uh, thing. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's uh, sitting in the, uh, you know, when even Bruce uh, tape uh, uh, open forum for Wednesdays on Monday mornings. We sit in here for a good hour, hour and a half before and sometimes after um, as as part of the group, as part of the whole, uh, right. it, it, it's a wonderful thing. And I think, I think this is, and now I'm going to say something here that's a little controversial and it's not really something that, that you and I buy into, um, left without some explanation. This 90 meetings in 90 days thing, I, I, I don't see that as something that's beneficial in, in, in like 90 meetings, 90 days is going to keep you sober, but I do understand the mentality of, Give it a chance because you're not going to be able to 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 really grasp any of this stuff by coming to one or two meetings and making a decision if this is for you or not. If you keep coming back for a while, uh, you may develop some friendships and some things to where you have more of a uh, an understanding of what's going on. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. Yeah. You know tricks. You know people have started to resort started to resort to tricks rather early, like like. You know, we just don't drink today, uh, or you know, do a ninety and ninety, or no relationships in the first year. People, people started to misunderstand what the spiritual awakening was right. and how powerful it was, and they started not to not to take people through the steps. So, you know, people were drinking. So they try, they they instead of responding the right way by going back to the big book and taking people through the steps that are that are slipping. Yeah, they decided to come up with a whole bag of tricks, and so that the alcoholic <laughs> can trick themselves into staying sober. Right. Like 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 if I don't get in a relationship with a woman in the first year, my chances of staying sober are going to be better. Well, that's that's not necessarily true. You can get in a relationship with a woman in the first year if you're practicing spiritual principles. You know, sure. If you're not practicing spiritual principles, it won't matter whether you get into a relationship. That's right. With somebody, you're going to end up drunk. It's it, the whole thing goes back to, and Bill Wilson was very clear and very unapologetic about this. You'll find this throughout the step book and throughout the big book that we drink because of failure. To practice spiritual living, yeah, spiritual principles yeah. and exercises in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. If we practice them, we stay sober. If we don't practice them, we don't. And that's the general rule that he he saw as very very observable. Those were the outcomes he could see in real time with alcoholics, and so he he made that distinction. Now. In, in this day and age, when you see literature coming out of New York City, very rarely is it stating that your life depends upon practicing spiritual principles. Way more often than not, it's trying to help you uh, identify and, and, and feel comfortable in the fellowship. And, and, and again, that, that's, you know, that's just merely the door in. It isn't the experience itself. It's merely showing somebody the door. You know, you know, how many times can you continue to show somebody the door without offering them the solution? You know, mm-hmm. going through the door to the solution does not mean that you're gonna you're gonna have a solution in your life. You know, and and again, that 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 just happens. It, uh, it, that just happens all the time. And, and I want to I want to ask you this too, and then and then we'll move on. Uh, I've said this 
tongue in cheek before. Uh, our Commonwealth should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. And, and tongue in cheek, I've said, thank God that's not true. Uh, <laughs> because if my personal recovery depended on the unity of this group over here, um, I'd be in deep weeds. Now, yeah, yeah, you know, I think I think unity has a has a bigger meaning. It does. Can uh, you can you tell explain that a little bit? With, because... uh, God and our and our fellow man and 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 even more specifically, uh, uh, alcoholics. You know, uh, um, uh, you know, again, again, Bill, you got to understand what AA was in the in the in 1950, 1948 to nineteen fifty when he was first penning these. It was you know it was still very tenuous. Yeah, uh, yeah, there were groups popping up. But there were also entire groups getting drunk. There was there was a group in uh, in California where uh, you know it was a bunch of men. I don't know, twelve, fifteen men, and they get a call that uh, they they need to go on a twelve step call because there's a woman who wants help, and two of them go over there and don't come back, and two more <laughs> go over there and don't come back, and it ends up the whole group goes over there and they're all drinking. <laughs> so, woman's like, "Hey, come on, let's party!" You know, and and, and the, uh, the alcoholics are drinking with it. And, you know, listen, there was all kinds of crazy stuff happening like that. So you know, so he got very, very serious about. And remember, his his job, even though he's only taking a stipend, his his job would depend upon AA unity too, because he had the office in New York. You know, he right. established the general service office. So he was about the business of keeping AA groups going, too, because the, the, the meager contributions that were coming in were keeping that office open. Sure. <laughs> so at the outset, how best to live and work together as groups became the prime question. In the world about us, we saw personalities destroying whole peoples. The struggle for wealth, power, and prestige was tearing humanity apart as never before. If strong people were stalemated in the search for peace and harmony, what was to become of our erratic band of alcoholics? As we had once struggled and prayed for individual recovery, just so earnestly did we commence the, the quest uh, for the principles through which AA itself might survive. Our, our anvils of experience, uh, uh, the structure of our society was hammered out on the anvils of experience. Now, I like that. On the anvils of experience, the structure of our society was hammered out. Now, the principles by which we survive as alcoholics, Monty, are the steps. He believes that the principles through which AA itself might survive uh, are the traditions. And then, and then uh, he even felt more importantly the concepts for world service when he started writing those. Right, right. Count, countless times, in as many cities and hamlets, we reacted... Uh, we reenacted the story of Eddie Rickenbacker and his courageous company when their plane crashed in the Pacific. Like us, they had suddenly found themselves saved from death, but still floating upon a perilous sea. How well they saw their common welfare came first. None might become selfish of water or bread. Each needed to consider the others, and in abiding faith, they knew they must find their real strength. And this they did find, in measure to transcend all the defects of their frail craft, every test of uncertainty, pain, fear, and despair, and even the death of one. Thus has it been with AA. By faith and by the works we have been able to build upon the lessons of an incredible experience. They live today in the 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous, which, God willing, shall sustain us in unity for so long as he may need us. That's a great story. That's a great example of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, like drowning seizes life preservers. Like, like we, you know, we're, we're like people cast adrift in a lifeboat. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we must work together for our common welfare and our common, common survival. And it is a good way to look at it, you know. And, yeah. and common, listen, common welfare comes first. There are times when this particular tradition needs to be used to move someone who is causing trouble or otherwise interrupting and disturbing a meeting outside. Uh, the common welfare of the group comes before the individual's right to be there. So let's say somebody comes in really drunk and just, you know, is making all kinds of noise and cutting people out, telling people to shut up. It's absolutely appropriate and in line with this tradition for people to escort them out 
and uh, and let them know that their behavior is unacceptable for that particular meeting. But but they have to be allowed. They have to be allowed back in, or they should be. Uh, I should never say have to. They should be allowed back in uh, when they when and if they calm down, when and if they sober up. Because there's a different. Um, there's a difference between. Um, uh, people say that, okay, somebody's been asked to leave a meeting. Oh, you kicked him out of AA. No, we didn't kick him out of AA. We asked them to leave this particular meeting and come back tomorrow or, or, or later yeah. when they can. But we, we haven't thrown that out of AA. That does not constitute, you know, expulsion from Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, that, that's absolutely true. And, and there's even times when people are very, very predatory in meetings. Yeah. Monty, you know, very predatory and really causing trouble. Where it's 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 absolutely uh, you know appropriate for people to to ask them not to not to come to that meeting you know if 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 they if they continue to you know cause cause a lot of, a lot of trouble uh, you know the group's welfare comes first you know sure. you need to protect that group more yeah. than you need to protect the idiot that's causing the trouble it has to be a safe so, place absolutely you can call the police on them anything like that and and you know some members may get mad at you for doing that but. You know, you're you're protecting the the unity. You're protecting the group as a whole, and sometimes that has to be done. You know, uh, it's it, it's the experience of a lot of people. Yeah, uh, that, that it has to be done sometimes. This is cool, uh, and, and I want to just reflect on what we just talked about about the safety of the group. And just by telling you a real quick story, um, I got myself into some hot water with some people at a twelve step uh, a meeting <laughs> because I had a stalker. And uh, it, it wasn't because I'm such a popular and, you know, worldwide known recovery talk show host or anything. It was because the guy was really, really out there and really nothing to do with me. Um, but I had a stalker and, and he was threatening my family. He was threatening to kill me. He was bringing a chainsaw to our home, was going to cut our house in half. I mean, just just wild stuff. And uh, he was coming to meetings threatening to kill me, and he had a history of, of tremendous violent behavior. And so I, I had to go get a stalking order because, because he was, was not related, because I wasn't in a relationship with this, with this man, I couldn't get a restraining order. So it had to go to, to a stalking order, which meant, at least in the state of Oregon, which meant that technically if he was in – uh, uh, eyesight of myself. I could see him from a, a half a mile away and I could call the police and he would go to jail. Uh, uh, if I wanted to be a real jerk, I could have done that. Of course, I, I, I didn't have any intentions of doing that. But I wanted where I was meeting, at my 12-step meeting, I wanted it to be safe for other people as well as myself. Uh, but most importantly, I wanted my family to be safe at our home. So the stocking order uh, the way the law is written meant that he could not come within earshot or eye shot of me anywhere. And of course, that ended up including the meetings. And people just came on me like I was the worst guy in the world. I was preventing this guy from coming to, to meetings and on and on and on it went. Um, but this was a case of it was extremely appropriate to do that. And uh, it ended up uh, later on that other people started getting death threats and the like. Um, but this kind of thing on occasion will happen. I, I, I don't think it happens a lot, but I think that when it does happen, you have, you have every right because, because doesn't the law, the land trump everything, even in AA? Well, you know, listen, there, there are laws on the books to protect, uh, protect people's yeah. you know, life and liberty. And you know, sure, certainly there, certainly there are appropriate, uh, uh, you know, within and around uh, a fellowship. You know, why why would a fellowship be above the law? Um, you know, uh, I don't I don't think that that would be that would be right. You know, there's been a lot of controversy in a lot of different court cases uh, that, have, that have gone through uh, the courts, Monty, about people who have heard footsteps. And some of the fifth steps have been, uh, you know, about really, really serious criminal behavior. And and for one reason or another, uh, individuals have been called to, you know, uh, subpoenaed to testify. And there's some really interesting case law uh, that has come out of, uh, is, is a sponsor, do, do, they, do they have the same 
confessional protection as a priest. You know, what you know, if you're in an anonymous group, does that protect you from having to testify? All very, very interesting case law and it's you know, it's it's going back and forth a couple of different ways and a couple of different times. But, you know, listen, we're it's the law of the land, you know, and the and the meetings are in the land. <laughs> so right. you know, you know, I, I don't think that you did anything inappropriate. You you should be protecting yourself if there's some some lunatic out there, you know, trying to hunt you down. Right, right. Well, Chris, great. This is this has uh, been great. It's been fun. I hope the listeners are enjoying this. Uh, one, once again, of course, if if you have, aren't listening to this, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Uh, but if you are, please pass this on because we're making this interesting. We're making it educational, and we're certainly making it entertaining as well. We're having a lot of fun with this. This is not boring stuff. It, it really isn't. This isn't all business and hear ye, hear ye. This is uh, really important information. Uh, that I believe that anybody who has invested anything into their 12-step fellowship, um, uh, and, I, and when I say that, I say main, mainstream 12-step fellowships, even if you're not Alcoholics Anonymous, if you are using by permission from AA the 12 steps and 12 traditions, I think it's important that that, that you know this stuff. It, it really is. Um, it, it's, a, it's just it, it ties you in more with, with your uh, fellows to know the operations and so forth. I, I encourage people, Chris, uh, to go to their business meetings. You know, I mean, it's important. If you're going to be around for 18, 20 years or whatever in your fellowship, get involved somehow, even if it's nothing more than being informed. Next week, uh, tradition two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Boy, that's a mouthful, huh, Chris? It is, absolutely. <laughs> so look forward to that, uh, my friends. Remember, our email address is take12radio at comcast.net. Uh, I just want to, want to encourage you to come back next week and listen to uh, Tradition 2 with Chris Schroeder. All right. Until our next broadcast, uh, this is the Monty Man along with Chris. and We are wishing God's perfect serenity. For you. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Oh.